gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing fabulous. Welcome to my podcast, A Feminine Impression. This is your host, Dr. Michelle Daff. And today we're continuing with our story, The Esther Anointing. And we're going to be talking today about the power of your perfume. Remember, this is a live video session that I do on my YouTube channel, Dr. Michelle Daff, but I'm including the audio here for all of you ladies who prefer to listen to the podcast. So go ahead and sit back, relax, grab something to drink, get something to write with, and let's talk about this. talk about the power of your perfume and I'm going to just start by reading a little bit of the chapter but I'm going to give you a little bit of background information for those of you who have not read this book or who are not familiar with the story of Esther just a quick recap Esther was taken from her cousin Mordecai's home to the palace and she and other girls were put together to be able to receive beauty treatments for a year before they met the king and the king was able to pick which woman he wanted to be his new wife to be the queen so all the women went through this beautification process that lasted an entire year which is a very long time and before reading this book and other things about esther it just sounded so magical, like, oh, wow, you get whisked away to the palace and you get to bathe in perfumes and oils for a whole year. It just sounds so dreamy. But the author does a really good job of showing you that it's not necessarily what it seems. Even though it was a luxurious process, it was also a painful process to be able to be prepared to meet the king. And so that is what we're going to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and read from the beginning of the book just to give you a little bit of background. And we are reading chapter three, okay, on page 34. Esther's journey to greatness and influence did not happen overnight. She did not arrive in the palace one day, and the next day the king saw her, fell in love with her, and made her queen. No, she had to endure a beautification process mandated by Persian culture. Every young girl in the harem had to go through this process before she could approach the king. These special beauty treatments included six months of oil and myrrh and six months in spices and ointments. This process, Esther endured many spiritual principles that will help us understand the process we have to go through as God prepares us for our destinies and our purposes. The refining of our characters is very essential to God's plan for our lives. God cannot use a proud woman or man. Being taken through a preparation process presses and purges out impurities of the heart and spirit such as pride, rebellion, selfishness, and bitterness so that we can be pliable in the hands of the Lord to follow his lead to fulfill our purposes. We can't be an effective vessel with baggage weighing on us, affecting our ability to hear and obey God. Okay, so it just kind of gives you a little bit of background into what this meant on a spiritual level and what we as women must go through and have to sort of go through as a process before God can really use us to be the woman that he created us to be. Okay, so just a little bit about... Uh, myrrh oil. Myrrh oil is an oil that oozes out of plants and they say that when it oozes out it actually looks like a teardrop which is also significant of kind of what you go through when you're being changed in God's eyes and the word in Hebrew is mara and that word means bitter okay and it reminded me actually just today I was reading Exodus and she actually talks about in the book, which I thought was amazing. They were going through the wilderness. The Israelites were going with Moses through the wilderness and they were thirsty. They hadn't drank water in three days and they came across a, a stream of water or a, a pool of water. I don't know how much water there was, but they couldn't drink the water because the water was bitter. 
And so here they had this water, but they could not drink it and they were thirsty. And I'll come back to that later on, but the name of that water was called Mara. And we'll talk about how that relates to the story later. But myrrh is also a very bitter oil and it's used for many things, including embalming and purging and keeping things fresh. So it's bitter and it's intense and it works for keeping things fresh and for um, purifying things at the same time and preserving things like fragrance. So the author actually tells us about some things that myrrh can be used for. Some people love myrrh essential oil or myrrh in their perfume because of the scent, but it's very, very strong and intense and powerful. So if you use myrrh oil, it can be used for things like reducing inflammation, boosting your immunity, speeding recovery from illnesses, eliminating respiratory issues like colds and coughs and congestion. Um, it improves arthritis. It reduces stomach gas and acid. It lessens your menstrual issues, promotes oral hygiene, cures gingivitis and bad breath. So it does a lot of a lot of purification things. And that's important because some of these women were taken from places where they probably needed to go through this process. During this time, hygiene wasn't the number one concern of people. And these women were coming from all over town and some of them really did probably need to go through this process to be cleansed and renewed and so the author talks about how um it's it's a bitter process and that bitterness is something that we as women sometimes get trapped in and the enemy uses that to hold us in a certain place and keep us back from our destinies so when we think about something being bitter, that's a word that we hear often attached to women. And if a woman isn't her best self, if she's not happy and full of joy, people will say, oh, she's just bitter because she doesn't have a man or she's just bitter because she looks a certain way. And people use that word to describe the pain that people are actually feeling. And when you are bitter about something, when you hold on to that feeling, it does create this odor that you exude. The, the way your face looks, the way your countenance is, all of it shows up when you are bitter. And a lot of us have been through bitterness at some point in our lives due to something that's happened to us. And we have to get out of that state to be able to really be our best selves. So the author says that Bitterness is something that the enemy has used to hold women back. And I would also say that this is something that has been used a lot of times to describe women of color, black women. And I remember being in college and taking a course on black studies. And there was like a whole section just talking about the angry, bitter black woman and the stereotype that's been plugged into our media, into TV shows, into movies. But there's this role, there's this character of this person that people look at and think this is a typical black woman. This is a typical woman who's been through all of these things and hasn't been able to let go of them. And I was just thinking, how sad is that? That this has become like a whole archetype or stereotype that the media has really taken on to shine a light on this issue that comes from some serious pain. And it doesn't come from nowhere, okay? There's a reason behind it. But for your own sake, for our own sake, we do have to learn how to navigate out of that so that we don't get hurt because ultimately it just hurts us. So the author talks about bitterness in terms of unfulfilled revenge and the fruit of unforgiveness that develops into resentment. And I am going to read a piece of what she says and then tell you about one time in my life growing up when I kind of felt like I was starting to become that way. So she says that bitterness is unfulfilled revenge. Its fruit is unforgiveness that develops into resentment. Resentment always wants to retaliate. In this world, women have suffered cruelty, harshness, and brutality at the hands of thoughtless human beings. Our hope is found on the cross. 
We must forgive and release every offender. The Lord promises that vengeance is his and he will repay. Romans 12, 19. Every woman has a choice to remain bitter or to let it go and leave it to God to handle. And this is important because a lot of times we want to get back at people or at situations that have brought us down. And sometimes there's absolutely nothing you can do. This person may not be anywhere you can contact them. You have no way of hurting them. You have no way of getting revenge on them. Sometimes a person's not even alive anymore. So there's really no way you can get revenge. And you have to just trust God and leave it in his hands and know that God loves you more than you even love yourself. And he is a just God. He loves justice. And he will fight on your behalf. But the moment you decide you're going to do it, he's like, oh, you got it? <laughs> and you don't want that. You don't want to do anything because you can't do what he can do. You can't hurt someone the way that you think you're going to hurt them because it may not even hurt them. And then what? And then you have this baggage you're going to have to carry on yourself for doing what you did. So it's really important to just rely on God and understand that he sees the whole picture and he will pay. It also says when a root of bitterness springs up, it not only destroys inner peace, but it can also cause physical illness. Bitterness defiles all those it touches, starting with the one who is bitter and extending out to other relationships. Furthermore, the one embittered becomes enslaved to the person towards whom that bitterness is directed. I see this all the time. When women are bitter towards a certain person, maybe it's their ex-husband or their ex-boyfriend or their mother, whoever this person is has a hold on them forever. They're always thinking about them. Every conversation leads back to that person. It's like a tattoo that they keep on their body. And they're the ones that are trapped they can't get out of the grip of that person. And sometimes that person doesn't even know. They don't even know that this person's thinking about them day and night and just so upset over what they've done. And it just hurts you. So I want you to think of a time, think of a situation in your own life that you felt that you held some bitterness about something that maybe happened to you or didn't happen to you. It can be a certain person in your life, a certain situation someone you haven't forgiven, something that you thought wasn't fair in life. I remember being younger in middle school and I remember my sister and I would have to walk to school because we lived in a single parent home. My mom worked really hard and just the times that she went to work and the time we had to be at school never, it always clashed. So we would walk to school and at first it wasn't really that big of a deal. But other people would always say like, oh, how come you guys walk to school? Or they would see us walking to school and like honk and wave. And it put us in this position where we felt like we were just like less than everyone else because we had to walk. And it wasn't that significant until we were in high school and we were on the dance team. So after dance practice, it was like, you know, late evening and everyone's tired. You've been dancing for two hours and you're exhausted after a long day of school. And we had to walk up this big hill and go home. And we would sometimes just feel really bitter about it and just be like, how come it's not fair? Like, how come we have to walk? And, you know, how come we have to go through this? And we were just in a very ungrateful place, not necessarily towards my mom, but just towards the situation in our lives where we felt like we were at a disadvantage and not really um, seeing the beauty in all of that because we gained a lot of confidence learning how to walk by ourselves. We were always really physically fit. It gave us time to decompress and talk and that kind of thing. There were a lot of great things that came out of that. But when we compared it to what everyone else was doing, we felt like we were the two little black girls that always had to walk everywhere while everyone else got a ride. So you know, those things can really stick with you, though. If you hold on to that kind of, kind of thing, those experiences, they can stick on to you and cause you to have a different filter on your eyes in terms of how you see the world. So think of a time in your life. Some people gain bitterness because of rejection. That's a huge, huge area where bitterness stems from. So maybe you're rejected 
because you didn't get a part in a play or in a in a show in a movie maybe you're rejected because you didn't get a job or you didn't place in a competition or in a sporting event maybe you feel rejected because you dated a man and he was unfaithful to you or you dated a man and then when you guys broke up he married the next girl when you wanted to marry him that whole time or maybe you are a mother and your children don't talk to you anymore and you raise them and you think, wow, after everything I've done for you, you don't even want to call me. You don't care about me. There are so many different things that can cause us to feel bitter and feel rejected and feel like we have a right to be upset with these people or these situations because certain things just don't seem fair. And you do have a right to be able to feel that feeling, but you cannot stay there. You have to let it go and you have to forgive and release it and understand, like I've been saying in all of these other lives, that every single thing that happens in your life, even some of the most tragic and terrible things are all used for God's glory when you give your life to Christ. And you have him help you to undo all of those things internally and he will do it. He will do it. When you give your life to God, Christ will do it and you will get a new life. It's almost like, I don't want to say those things never happened, but the feeling that you feel when you think about those things are going to be completely released. And so it's like you're looking at it from the outside in, like this person I used to be, but it won't feel like it was you. And then you can use that energy and the strength and the anointing and the passion to take that and do something amazing with it to make sure it never happens to someone else or to make sure that money is provided to people in your situation or to empower other people. But you will use that as fuel and it won't be used to just keep you down. So I really want you to think about things in your life that have caused you to be bitter. And if you don't know, then just ask God to reveal it to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what those things are. Because if you think that there's absolutely nothing, I mean, you could be right, but you could also not be willing to see it or just not be able to see it. And God will reveal it to you if you ask him. I want you to think about that and think about uh, what bitterness looks like on a person. If you took a bite into like a really sour fruit, let's say you took a bite into a grapefruit, the face that you were going to make after taking a bite into something bitter, it just looks so painful and disgusted. And a lot of times it's just like this, you know, this face that's just not very pleasant. And so many of us walk around looking like that whether or not you can tell. And the only way to fix that is through Christ. As the Israelites were walking through the wilderness and they came across that, that water they called Mara, bitter, the only way that they were able to drink from that water after three days of no liquid, that's intense, the only way was by Moses taking the tree and throwing it into the water as God instructed him. And when he did that, the water became sweet, not just regular. It became sweet. Imagine sweet water. That tree that was thrown into the water was representative of Jesus and how when you add Jesus into that bitter mix, you get something brand new, transformed and sweet, not even just okay, but something even better than what you could have imagined. And that's what Jesus did. That's what the cross did, was allowed us to be able to exude this beautiful persona, this beautiful presence, this beautiful spirit, this beautiful new personhood because of his love and because of what he's done for us. So this is something that I really want you to pay attention to because there are so many things that can cause us to be bitter. And I know a lot of ladies have sent me messages where they've talked about different things in their life that they've experienced, and it's heartbreaking. And sometimes you hear someone else's story and you're like, mm -hmm, I get it, I don't blame you. But that doesn't help them. It sounds horrible to hear these stories, but I know the solution to that. 
And a lot of ladies will tell me they've gone to therapy, they've done medication, they've done all these things. And it wasn't until they gave their life to Christ, until they really got to know who Jesus was and said, please, I need you. Enter into my life. I need you. That's when everything finally changed. And I'm so, so thankful that you're sharing these stories with me because it helps to prove that Christ is real. He is not just a man who existed. He is the answer to every problem you have. And he's still alive and he's still working in all of our lives. And I'm thankful that you're experiencing that for yourself and not just listening to me say it, but actually bringing it into your heart and inviting him and being able to come back and tell me, wow, everything is different now. It's just so rewarding. I'm going to read what she talked about in the book in terms of the bitterness. So she says, therefore, and she's talking about um, the ladies in the palace, they had to be purified from their past, their past lives as common peasant girls, and be infused with the scent of their new purpose as royal residents in the king's palace. So think about being purified from all the things that you used to do, the person you used to be, the woman you used to be, the anger you used to carry, the resentment, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the self-hatred, all of those things being purified of that stuff through the ointment of the Holy Spirit and being renewed. To me, that is what being born again is all about. And this is something that I didn't hear a lot of people really talking about. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it is because it sounds so like, it just doesn't sound like something real until I experienced it. And I'm like, this is not, this is so serious. It's like you really go from being a certain kind of person and God just changes you. All of the things that were so bad about yourself that you tried to just fix about yourself and you didn't like that you did or things that you just didn't realize was causing people maybe not to like you or causing things not to work out for you. He cleanses you of it and all of a sudden, it's not hard to do it anymore. All of a sudden, you don't feel like doing that anymore. And it is a little painful because you're finally seeing yourself for the way that God sees you, but he loves you so much. So while he's showing you like, hmm, you know, you do get irritated a little bit too quickly. Like your patience is a little too thin. You need to work on that. He's saying that at the same time, he's pouring in so much love into you, giving you so much help with it so that you're able to recognize what's happening and fix it without feeling like this bad person. So it's the most beautiful thing. It's, it's a process of change and transformation just infused with love. And I want everyone to be able to experience that. She says in the book, as we compare the health benefits and the possible way that ancient Persians used the oil of myrrh, we can see how the Holy Spirit purifies us and prepares us for royal service. As the Holy Spirit works in us, we will see the softening of our fallen nature, symbolic of soaking in myrrh. We will see that he will purge us of our pasts and put to death anything that does not line up with our royal destinies. That is, that is true. I was told once that when they were doing this beautification process, because the myrrh oils and some of the other oils were so intense and so potent that they had to bring in professionals, like professional physicians to be able to put these treatments on the women. They couldn't just be put on themselves or put on by the servants. They needed actual professionals to come in because it was that strong. It was that painful. It was that intense and it needed that much precision in how it was applied. And I think that's the case with a lot of us women. You know, sometimes we do need professional assistance. And some of us have been through traumas and things in our lives that are so, so intense and extreme that we're not going to be healed just by motivational quotes. Even though that is a beautiful thing, and I love that there are so many people who are just passionate about inspiring people, those motivational quotes are not going to heal you and get you through 
the thought process and the change in your mind and in your psyche, like getting professional help would from a person that studied the brain for 10 plus years and can really help you to re-navigate your thoughts and unpack all of these things. It's not going to come from, you know, it's probably not going to just come from someone random on social media. You're going to need a professional. And that's a great thing that people care enough to go into professions where they really want to help you to heal from trauma. And that does not have to be a therapist. I mean, I would love that if they were spirit-led. I would love for you to see a spirit-led therapist that could really heal you. But it can also be healed from having a leader from your church, someone who is a pastor or just someone who can help guide you spiritually in that sense. And of course, if you can't access those things, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is always going to help you. Even if you never see a therapist and Obviously, in certain cases, it's definitely necessary for you to see a therapist because there's definitely a spectrum of different things that a person has to unwrap. But the Holy Spirit, God can do miracles and does miracles every single day. He is not restricted in what he can do. Okay, Just because a person lives in a desolate country where they have no medical help, they have nothing to heal them, he can heal you from a mental illness. He can. He can do anything. So to me, the the most important thing is always to seek first the kingdom of God, always. And he will either lead you to someone who can help you. And if he knows that there's no one who can help you, he will help you all by himself because he is God. So the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know about yourself, will teach you the areas in your life that you are struggling with, the areas in your life that you just need to help kind of like smear some oil on and get those those stains out and he will change you from within. It's a process. It does not happen overnight and it is not the most pleasant process in terms of you really seeing yourself for who you've been, but it's so beautiful because you can finally see that you are getting closer and closer and closer to the woman that you really want to be. And that woman is a woman that he designed, and you're just on your way to being her. I really want you to seek God first, and then from there, he will tell you, the Holy Spirit, he will tell you what to do next. If you need to see a therapist, if you need to get a, a life coach, if you need to just go and talk to your mother, who you need to forgive, who you haven't spoken to in two years. Whatever it is, he will tell you what you need to do that can lift off some of these things because some things are chemical reactions in your brain. Some things are just spiritual things that are weighing down on you. And when you can lift them off, you will be free. So he will be able to tell you the difference and what it is that you need to do. I'm going to read another passage from the book that I thought was really powerful. She says, Everyone has a unique fragrance in this earth. God is making women a fragrance. All of your life experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, blended together in the right proportion, produces your unique fragrance. Your life experiences, the word of God that you've studied and made a part of your life, the encounters that you've had with God and obstacles you've overcome, all make the fragrance. The perfume is equivalent to the life you've lived. God's nature is redemptive, and everything you've experienced in this life will be turned around for his glory. And that is the truth. That is the truth. She mentioned in the book that the Bible doesn't specifically mention what each girl specifically received in terms of treatment. So the first six months was the myrrh oil, but the second six months, it just said beauty treatments. So it's not specific in terms of telling you what kind of beauty treatments. And that's because all of us need different things. For some of us, we need to work on our attitude. For some of us, we need to work on our confidence. For some of us, we need to work on pride. So we all have different things that make up who we are and different areas that we need to work on. And so it's representative of the fact that every girl had different treatment she needs to purge 
to be able to be with the king and be her best self. When I think of the king, of course, I think of the actual king that they were sort of auditioning to be the queen for. But I also think of the king in terms of Jesus, in terms of God and the life that he has for you. It's very difficult for God to use you if you have so many things going on with you internally. Because if he gives you this dream that you wanted or this position that he has you know, just set aside for you, if he just gives it to you now, you're going to ruin it because you're still gossiping about people. You're still backstabbing your friends. And if you're still doing that, if he positions you to be the vice president of the company and you don't know how to not engage in conversations about other people, you might end up losing your job, destroying everything you've built, ruining your family name. All of these things will trickle down to because you weren't ready. You weren't ready for it. It's better that he purges you from all of these things before he positions you to speak his name and speak with purpose and be this person that he's called you to be in whatever area of life. If you are, let's say, this, this comes up a lot with younger people. If you are so obsessed with your boyfriend and you don't know what it's like to live your own life, to be able to take on things for your own pleasures, to be able to be happy in your own presence, to serve God. All you think about is your boyfriend, pleasing your boyfriend. When you're not with him, you're researching things to do, places to go, what to buy him. When you're spending all your time cooking for him and your mind is consumed with him, that makes God just kind of sit back and think, okay, so... Is this relationship going to honor me at all? <laughs> I brought her to this person, but was she ready for it? Is she ready to marry this person? I mean, look what she's doing right now. What's going to happen if, if they have a child? Am I going to get any of the glory? I mean, does she even see me? This is all factored in into everything that you do. Are you ready? Are you mature enough to be able to be with someone and that person not be your entire life, your entire world? No one and nothing should be put before God. Even if it's a baby, you can love your baby so much, but that baby should not be put before God. No one should. A lot of us are not given those positions yet because we're just not ready for them. And so we have to make sure that we purge all of these things before we're given these positions so that we don't ruin them. There are so many women that will say things like, I want this high value man. I want this great guy who's doing A, all these things, right? And I say it, I've said it in my videos. It's like, well, you want these things, but you don't even know how to receive. If you want someone that's going to be offering you a hand and buying you things and showing you things, but you get offended easily when your partner advises something different than what you think is right, if you cannot handle a man leading you, if you don't know the difference between control and leadership, if you, again, don't know how to even receive something from someone, then how can you handle that? Are you even ready for that? So we have to really look at ourselves and think about things like, do we know our worth? Do we think we are worthy? Certain things sound good, but then once you get them, you think, I don't deserve this. And so you'll ruin it. And then not only are you ruining yourself, but you're ruining this person who is just trying to be great for you. And why would, why would God want someone who is well-meaning to just be ruined because you're not ready? So all of that is, is something that I want you to consider, okay? Now, I've done a video on fragrances for feminine women. I don't know why I have that in my notes, but I think it's because it talked about how these women were infused with the fragrances. They had to like sit over this sort of like hot diffuser type of uh machine I guess and it infused their body and their pores with these fragrances and it kind of reminds me of like a sauna if you've ever sat in a sauna you know you're just kind of like sweating out your impurities and sometimes you're inhaling like sage oil or eucalyptus oil 
And sometimes you can end up even smelling like those oils when you come out of it. I do have a video on fragrances that do smell naturally beautiful on most women and give you that very feminine scent. So definitely check that video out. So we're going to talk about the time-consuming work of the Holy Spirit. She talks about how the Holy Spirit does unique work in our lives so that we exude a scent that's pleasing to God. And it made me think of the book of Leviticus where people were offering, Israelites were offering sacrifices to God and he would say that the scent, the aroma was pleasing. It was a pleasing aroma to God. And to me, that just sounds so amazing for something to just be pleasing to God. And there are aromas that are pleasing to God. And so if you want to please him with your aroma, not people in this physical world, but pleasing God with the way you smell, then you need to ask him what areas you need to turn away from or embrace. In the book, it says that the body of Christ will not be complete until the scent of true and godly femininity can fill a room. Okay, in Proverbs 27, 9, perfume and ointment are compared to a friend who gives godly insight and counsel. Counsel is to show a plan. It's to show purpose. Counsel and wisdom from the woman's point of view is needed in the church. Wise counsel from the feminine nature is needed in the atmosphere. Women with wise counsel add value. Women are called to make those around them see themselves in a better light. Perfume is all about influence. Your response to situations is the fragrance that fills the room. Looking at Esther's attitude and actions in her situation, you will notice that her responses carry the fragrance of prudence, wisdom, and discretion. Perfume bottles come in many beautiful shapes and creative designs. This represents the outer appearance of a woman, but we all know that you can have a very beautiful bottle, but a bad perfume in the bottle. Okay, so this kind of goes back to the idea of being very beautiful on the outside, but not having those qualities on the inside. I did a video on my channel called How to Become More Attractive. And in that video, I talk about how some women are so beautiful on the outside. They really are gorgeous and they look gorgeous and they smell beautiful and their hair is perfect. Their nails are perfect. Everything is perfect but they'll say that men never approach them or they don't get asked out on dates or people don't like them and they can't figure out why. And I always say it's probably because they can sense that there's something going on with you. And we think a lot of times that people can't smell that fragrance, regardless of how we look, how we come off. Sometimes we think that we're doing such a great job hiding it. And as you become older, when you're an adult, people don't just go around telling you negative things about yourself. They just avoid you. And you have to figure out why this is happening. And that's because a lot of times they can see what you think you're hiding. They can see that you're maybe very bitter or very jealous or you're having lots of insecurity issues. I mean, just different things that people can pick up. So don't always think that you're hiding it because you look beautiful on the outside. The inner beauty is so much more important and it shines through regardless of how you're dressed, regardless of how much money you have, how much makeup you're wearing. The inner beauty is going to shine right out of a person and make them so much more beautiful than someone who just looks pretty on the outside. She talks about uh, true godly femininity, and there's a lot on it. So you can read about different things that she calls priceless beauty. And she refers to the church and how the church needs to have women who do have wise counsel and can bring a lot to the table in terms of helping other women. And when she says the church, I don't want you to think, I used to think this, by the way, <laughs> when people reference the church, you think of like the, the church building, right? But the church is not a building. It's almost like saying, I'm going to the CIA. It's okay, the CIA is a building, but the CIA are a group of people. Okay, so the people are the CIA. It's the organization. It's the people within it. Yes, they may have a CIA building, but the CIA is not a building. It's a people. It's a corporation. It's a company. 
it's an organization. So when they say the church, when you hear that, it's not this building with a cross on it. They're talking about the people who say that they are kingdom citizens, that they are followers and disciples of Christ. They are his church, his ecclesia. They are his body. And so they're the ones that are carrying out the things that God wants to bring. I always tell you, everything that you get comes through people. When God is giving you things and shining on your life, he's doing it through people. And he loves to use his people to do it. And so there are certain people that God depends on, including you. He's depending on you. Maybe you're not fulfilling it right now, but he's still depending on you to show love to people, kindness to people, to show his nature through you so that people can know him through you. And that is the church. So she's saying that the church isn't doing a good job of that right now. We need more women who are feminine who love the fact that they are women and who embody God in feminine form and are going to love on people and give people wisdom and counsel in a sweet, loving, and calm way. Not in an abrasive, not in a arrogant and condescending way. And this is something that needs to be changed because if we did change it, I guarantee you more women would be more willing to get to know Christ. There is so much in this chapter. It's filled with wisdom. It's such a great chapter. So in terms of real beauty, real beauty in a woman, just kind of summarizing, is having your inner character being strong, being someone who has your own moral values, certain things you just will not do. When I was younger, I did not care about that. There were things that I just felt like I could do whatever I wanted to do. And all these rules just did not apply to me. I had my own way of living and I got to create that. And it ruined my own inner character because I didn't have a strict moral code on things I would and would not do. And that tainted, for me, my own image and my own personality because it kept changing every single year based on things that were repercussions of what I was doing and not me saying to myself before things happen, this is what I will and won't do. This is how I respond to these kinds of situations. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter the status, how much money they have, how long I've known them. This is what I'm going to do before I get into those situations. So real beauty comes from having a good character about yourself, the things that people can expect from you even when no one is watching you. Your personality, having a gentle and quiet spirit. This is not something to demean women or put us down, but God has asked for you to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And I'll do a video about that because I really want to get into what that means. But women are supposed to have that. And there are so many reasons why. And I'll explain that a little bit later on my channel. But it really does not only help you, but it helps your husband. It helps your family. It helps him. It helps God to be able to have people attracted to you because you have this peaceful, gentle spirit. It doesn't mean that you are some quiet, shy lady, but it means that your spirit, your inner person is gentle and people can expect you not to like jump on them and, and curse them out or be abrasive or hostile. People can expect you, even if you have a very loud voice, to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And also, when you're a real beautiful woman in God's eyes, you trust him. He knows that you don't rely on yourself. And that's what makes you beautiful. When you're able to hear someone tell you something that's not very nice, but you know that they're probably saying this because they're coming from a place of hurt and you don't attack them back. Instead, you take it in and you're like, okay, well, I, you know, I know God will take care of this and you can pray for them. Or you can just ignore them, but you're not hurting them more because you know they're already hurt and you trust God. You rely on God. You don't have to get people back because you trust God and you rely on him. You don't have to sleep with someone for money because you trust God. You rely on him. You know, you're not keeping men in your house who you know are abusing your children or molesting your children. You know that 
you trust God and he will take care of you financially. He will take care of your family. You're not putting all of that on yourself because it weighs on you. It hurts you and it hurts everyone who interacts with you. So trusting God is what makes you very beautiful as a woman. And then she also talks about her name, the name Esther and the name Hadassah and what those names meant because in Hebrew, the name of a thing was what it was. So if you think of like a toaster, we know what, if your name was toaster, we know what you do, right? That's, you are what your name is. So that's kind of um, what the author was trying to get to. So we can think about your own name and what your name means, because in that time, that's what you were, was whatever your name was. I think Jacob's name meant deceiver, and that's exactly what he did. So those kinds of things were a big part of the Bible, looking at a person's name and understanding what it meant. If you look at everyone's name in the Bible, it all adds up to something really cool, but we'll talk about that later. So think about your name and what your name means, and also understand if you have a name that you feel was like made up and doesn't mean anything, that God also has a name for you based on what he created you to do. And it's a beautiful thing to ponder on what God calls you. What does he call you? What name does he have in mind for you? And last but not least, I just want to just remind you as we sum this up that we must submit to the beautification process of the Holy Spirit. Going through a makeover it looks very glamorous on the outside, but usually when people are getting a makeover, they're crying. When I used to watch like those makeover shows and they would transform women who haven't changed their hairstyle in 30 years and they'd give them this like new fresh cut and they would get their eyebrows waxed and they would be crying half the time, like seeing their hair being cut off, getting their eyebrows plucked and their chin hairs plucked. They were just crying because it's like this identity was being taken away from them. This comfort that they were hiding behind, whether it was baggy clothing or just not putting on any makeup or not feeling like brushing their teeth, whatever it was, was their comfort zone. And that beautification process was painful. And that is something to expect, but not to run away from. It is going to be painful. Most women who have gone through beauty treatments, whether it's getting their nails done, getting waxed, getting lasered, it is painful. But the outside experience of that, once you walk out and you feel fresh and you feel beautiful, it's all worth it in the end. And this is a beautification process that's permanent. So you don't have to keep going back in and getting touch-ups. They are permanent changes that God is going to take off of you and release you from so that you can be the beautiful, feminine, lovely woman that he created you to be. So allow the Holy Spirit to pour his oil on you, smear it in, and change you to become the woman that he created you to be, not the woman that's been tainted by all the things that have happened to you in this life. And he will do it. He is so excited to do it for you, but you have to invite him in. You have to ask him and you have to submit and allow him to work on you. Okay, so I'm just going to read the prayer that she has at the end of the book, and then I will take questions. Just kind of close your eyes and just invite the Holy Spirit. Okay. Lord, your word says that you will make everything beautiful in its time. I submit my life and destiny to your making and timing. I surrender all ambition and striving to you. I ask that you will give me grace to endure the beautification process. I realize the race is not given to the swift or strong, but to the one who endures to the end. I choose to submit to the inner dwellings of the Holy Spirit. Lord, remove anything from my heart that will hinder my destiny. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Cleanse me of all pride, arrogance, and fear. Let love and kindness flow from my heart. The world has many definitions of beauty, 
But Lord, I want to radiate the authentic beauty of the kingdom. Favor can be deceitful and beauty vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. I am a woman who fears the Lord. I will develop traits of kindness and humility. Lord, remove all mixture of the negative life experience from my behavior and values. I choose to be better and not bitter. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost purge away bitterness, anger, frustration, and disappointment. I submit to the anointing of myrrh. Let the oil of myrrh cleanse every wrinkle and blemish in my character. I am a sweet-smelling fragrance and preservative in the rotting and decaying world around me. I will release the fragrance of joy, love, and hope to a dying world. Thank you, God, for being faithful to completing this work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And that was chapter three, the power of your perfume, ladies. And I am going to now look at the comments. Another great book about Esther is for such a time as this. Okay, I've never read that book. I've never heard of that one. I will look it up. Thank you for letting me know. Will I be doing more books such as this one? This is the first time I've ever done this. So I don't know. Perhaps. Let me know if you would like that. And you can suggest a book that you think would be good. I may not do it on this channel. I may do it on my vlog channel. But let me know. When I go more into depth about a God-centered relationship. How do you start your relationship with God? I was super close to him. Then something's happened. Okay. Okay. Well, if you want to start a relationship with God, all you need to do is sincerely, genuinely ask him to come into your heart. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. You, if you're already born again, like if you've already confessed that, yes, you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, he is God, he died on the cross, he rose again, and you believe that with your heart and you want him to come into your heart, all you have to do is confess that. I know you want him to come into your heart, into your life, and he will. And once you do that, the biggest thing is just spending time with God. So taking time to worship and pray and study the Bible every day. The Bible is going to be your roadmap to every single thing in life. When you have a question about something, you can go to the Bible and God will direct you to the passages. And it's not like there's some voice telling you go to chapter 8. It's not like that. You will think that you just happened to stumble on chapter 8 and it just happened to have what you needed to hear. In your mind, that's how it's going to be. But God is going to speak to you through his word. He's going to have people confirm things for you. Or if you're doing things like reading the Bible and then listening to a podcast, maybe that same uh, scripture you read will be the topic and you'll kind of start seeing how God talks to you specifically. But the, the main thing is spending time praising and worshiping him, praying and reading your Bible. If you spend time doing that, that is how you're going to be able to get close to God. And to me, the way that I think is the strongest is really prayer, praying, spending time and having conversations with God where you are talking to him, you are repeating things that you've read that he's told you in his word, where you are praying for other people, where you're praising him. So listening to worship music, that's how you get in the presence of God. You know, you invite him in, you play some music, you're setting the mood, you're worshiping him. And you will feel a very big difference when you're praying in the presence of God versus when you're praying. It, sometimes it just feels more empty, but the more you spend time in the word, the more you're going to start feeling a different sense of presence when you're praying. And you'll start noticing your prayers being answered. You'll start being directed to do certain things. And you'll start getting this like internal feeling like you have to do these things. And it'll open your life up and you'll start to be able to hear God's voice. And it's, it's amazing. So I would say number one thing, pray, ask God to help you, ask for the Holy Spirit Ask for the Holy Spirit 
and God will allow you to have the Holy Spirit. He wants this to be your life. You know, he wants you back. So it's not going to be some tug of war, but you have to really open the door for him to come in. And this is a part that gets hard is really carving out that time, like really creating that time for God. Because when you really want to get close to God, the devil is going to be really upset about that because he can't have you anymore. All the things you've been spending your time doing, all the things that you shouldn't be doing, he's not going to have you anymore. And he's not going to like that. So there are going to be distractions and temptations that get in the way of you spending time with God. So you're going to have to make that a priority and say, no matter what, I recommend first thing in the morning, spend time with God before you get on social media, before you check your emails, before you go to the gym, before you do anything, before you even have a conversation with anyone. If you can, pray read read your bible it's nice when you can read books that are biblically based because maybe you'll just need a little bit more meat you might need a little bit more explanation so you might want to read a book about something like this book you know and start reading the scriptures and meditating on them and asking god what does this mean for me and research and really seek him that's what he wants you to do he wants you to really seek him and really want it worship him in spirit and in truth like truly start seeing how god is doing things when you're praying and when you're worshiping him and you're going through your day and things are falling into place you're gonna start seeing oh i was praying about this or it's just gonna be like every single day is gonna be an amazing day because god's going to give you gifts every single day as long as you're looking for them and you're recognizing it's god you're going to be so excited every day. Every day is a new day. He gives you fresh manna. He gives you fresh food, fresh love, fresh everything, fresh anointing every day. So his mercies are new every morning. You're going to get something every day from God, but you need to have your eyes open and acknowledge that it is coming from him and worship him. Everything you're doing, God is your refuge. So you'll start to, when you start to spend more time with him, just like anyone else, like if you were dating a guy, you wouldn't just call him first thing in the morning and say good morning and then never talk to him again until you say good night, if you even call him to say good night, right? If you're dating him, you want to get to know him. You're going to be checking on him throughout the day. He's going to be checking on you. You're going to be making plans. It's a relationship, okay? You're his daughter. It's a relationship. And the Holy Spirit is your counselor, your guide. And so you're going to have to be in communication all day long. It doesn't have to be you sitting there like closing your eyes praying, but you are mentally talking to him like, God, I wonder if I should do this or what do you think about this girl? I don't know. I don't, something about her I just don't like. You know, Can you reveal to me what you think I should do? If you're in a situation that's scary, you're asking God to help you. It doesn't matter what it is, small or big. I'll pray for literally every single thing I do. Um, today, Joshua was asking me like to call this customer service line. And he told me that he was on the phone for hours and he couldn't get a hold of anyone. And I said, okay, let me call. And I prayed. Before I called, I asked for the kingdom of heaven to come down. Let thy kingdom come. Okay, let thy will be done. Bring heaven down to earth. Every single day, whatever God has written in his book, in heaven, bring it down. He has a plan, but he needs you to bring that plan down here on earth. And so I prayed, and guess what? First ring, someone answered the phone. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised because I will rely on God for every single thing. The car won't start. I won't sit there and stress myself out. The car isn't starting. How am I going to get to work? I'm going to be, you know, I just stop right there before I even get nervous and I pray, Lord, please help me. Please let this car start. Let your will be done. Whatever your will is, let it be done. And be confident that whatever his will is, it will be done when you bring heaven down. And that is how you start to make God your refuge. And that's how you start to rely on him and trust him because he's going to come through every single time, every single time. He is not us. <laughs> he is not us. He will come through 
every single time. And you will start to trust him and rely on him. And then you'll start to see how this relationship is starting to grow. And you'll start to be more accountable to your behavior. You'll start to be able to sense when you are grieving the Holy Spirit, you know, when you're quenching him, when he's trying to tell you to do something, you're like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do it. And you'll sense that distance from God. You'll start to really be able to build a real relationship. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's the most meaningful thing in the world. And it guides your entire life. But you do have to make time for God and you have to start being open to that beautification process, burning yourself at the altar, like burning the things that he doesn't want you to do. If he tells you, I don't want you to smoke anymore. I don't want you to smoke. I don't want you to smoke. Well, I, what if I just smoke one? No, I don't want you to smoke. You can sit there and say, okay, I, I definitely heard God telling me he doesn't want me to smoke, but I had a really stressful day, so I'm just going to smoke. Like those things, those burning, the burning of your pride, the burning of all of those things need to be dealt with and he will help you deal with them. But you have to be willing to say, I'm not going to give my life to this world. I'm not going to spend five hours watching Netflix. I'm not going to be consumed by the things of this world. These are two different kingdoms. You're either in one kingdom or you're in the other. Sadly, you know, we're all here on earth in terms of like being in the kingdom of darkness, but we are still from a different kingdom. Those of us who are kingdom citizens, those of us who have given our life to Christ, we live here, but we don't get our help from here. We don't operate from here. We don't get anything from here. We just live here. And everything we get, we, we get from God. We're on God's agenda and he's the one that navigates our lives. But if you are a kingdom citizen, then you can't spend all this time watching Netflix. How are you going to have time to spend with God? How are you going to have time to help people? All the poison you're getting is all the poison that's in this world. And it'll ruin you. It'll get you right back to those same habits. It'll get you right back to being that same person because you're going to start thinking it's normal, right? So everything that you've been doing in prayer and in reading your Bible, it's like you're, it, it, it's clashing, okay? Because we know who operates this kingdom. So you really do have to change kingdoms and you have to be serious about it and say, I'm done with this world. I'm done with these things. Whatever it is that I need to get rid of, help me get rid of it and I will give you my life. My life belongs to you. I'm yours. So yeah, worship, praise, read your Bible, spend time with God, and you will definitely begin to have a great relationship and hear from him every single day. Okay? Uh -huh. you, can, you don't have to wait to meet me in heaven. You can meet me here on earth. <laughs> Unless you're in heaven. Um, let's see. She said, I can't wait to meet you in heaven. I'm like, well, you can meet me here on earth, honey, unless you're in heaven. I don't see why we can't meet here, but hey. Yes, you can't have dual citizenship. You're either for God or you're against God. It's one or the other. Pick a side, pick a side. Pick a side, pick a side, because he he's going to see that you're picking a side. And if you choose this earth, then you've picked. You've picked. Oh, thank you. She said, I just want to say that you're one of the reasons why I started getting closer to God again. And I want to thank you for that. Your blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. That's so sweet. That is, to me, that is the best compliment anyone could ever give me. Is that what you just said? That's the best compliment. Because to me, that is you getting your life back. That is you actually having a real life is having God so to me, that is the best gift anyone could ever have is having a relationship with God. Nothing else matters. Everything else you're looking for, like this lifestyle, having certain man, having certain looks, having certain things, certain experiences, God has all of that. Like he has it in his bag for you, the bag with your name on it. He's like, I have the bag. You're trying to get all these things, but I have your bag right here. So <laughs> why don't you just come here instead of doing it your own way? So when you finally come to him, he gives you your bag and you can have all of those things that he has for you. 
All right, sweetheart. So I know that it is late. I know it's like midnight in a lot of the countries that you're in, but I thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for all of your feedback and for being here and listening to this. I know that it's not always the easiest to hear these things because it's hard and life life is life is hard. Life is hard, but there is someone who loves you so much and wants to redeem you and wants to call you into his love that will give you a whole new filter on life and will take away the pain from all the things that have been so hard and give you the help that no human could ever give you to open up your life to being the woman that he destined you to be. So I love you all so, so much. I really, really do. And I thank you for being here. And I thank you for all of your comments. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you for hanging with me. Have a wonderful night, ladies. I love you, love you, love you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today, ladies. And remember that this book is called The Esther Anointing, and it's written by Michelle McClain Walters. I will have links in the description box so that you can purchase the book if you don't already have it. I would love for you to join us on our live sessions on my YouTube channel and here on the podcast. It's a wonderful book and it will really change your life. And make sure to follow me on a feminine impression on Instagram for more femininity content. And you can follow me on my personal page on Instagram, Dr. Michelle Daft. So until next time, my ladies, I hope that this helps you to get closer to God, helps you to take a look at the scent of your perfume and how you show up in life and hopefully motivate you to be the woman that God has called you to be. I love you all so much and I will see you in the next episode. Have a blessed week in all things you do. Make sure you make a feminine impression.